Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after-school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mike Graburn, one of the lead pastors here at Gainesville Vineyard. Thanks for tuning in to our Sunday live stream service. Uh, we're online only again today, uh, and hopefully this Omicron variant will be passing over as soon as we can get back to in-person uh, gathering once again. But for now, here we are, and I'm so grateful to have you with us. Um, the announcements are at the uh, beginning of the recording and at the end of the recording, so you can check those out. The only thing I will say here is we are going to take communion at the end of the teaching, so get something to eat and drink like we've done all through COVID for these online services. I've got some tea and crackers here. Um, grab whatever you have, and we'll consecrate those together as the body and blood of Jesus uh, after the sermon. So I'm going to move right into the teaching for today. And I'm going to start by, by uh, reminding you, I don't know if everyone got a chance to watch last Sunday's. Last Sunday's um, service was the first time in the entire pandemic that there was a rerun, that was a rebroadcast of a sermon from a year ago. And there were practical, extenuating circumstances that were part of it. But it was also a realization that I had that I wanted to preach from that passage in Jeremiah. And I was like, wait a minute, I think I just preached from that passage in Jeremiah a year ago. And in fact, I had. And so if you didn't get a chance to watch that for the first time or again, it was uh, where Jeremiah talks about uh, the temple being a house of prayer for all nations. And now Jesus says the same thing when he clears the temple, uh, you know, not long before he's executed for clearing the temple. Um and I, I preached that a year ago we were, when we were in the middle of the pandemic. That was like back last February. And we knew at that point we were waiting for the vaccines to become available and they weren't yet for everyone. Um, and we knew we would be gathering back after most folks had been vaccinated. And then, of course, Delta uh, changed those plans. And then eventually we did get back together in person. And now Omicron has changed our plans again. But when I preached that sermon then, I was thinking mostly in the context of our individual lives. Like, what does it mean to live a life of prayer? What does it mean to create space in our lives for prayer uh, for all people? So that we're praying for all people and inviting all people into into the life of prayer that we have. And, and kind of, you know, extending the bounds of what it means to have a life of prayer, which we'll, we'll hear a bit more of that here again this morning. Um but for, for this series to begin begin 2022 with, I want us to think about it in terms of our community, Gainesville Vineyard, the community we are and the community that we're going to, to pursue being even further this coming year. As I mentioned two weeks ago when I was uh, in Knoxville <laughs> recording from there, um, I've had some dreams. I've got some, I think, direction from the Lord on, on where we're going with our in-person gatherings on Sundays. And, and I've, I've talked with Amy about it quite a bit, and she's excited. And we've talked to the lead team about it now, and they're excited and on board. And I'll be 
discussing it with y'all, hopefully once we're back in person, hopefully very soon. Um, but it occurred to me that I, I needed, I wanted to, I felt like I should lay some, some theological groundwork for these things. And so I want you to think both of last week's sermon um, in, in two ways, at least two ways, maybe three ways. Uh, and you can do that because you're very clever. You're very smart people. I want you to think of it in terms of your own individual life, both House of Prayer for All Nations and, and what I'm going to preach here in just a minute or what I'm beginning to, what I'm setting up right now. Uh, and also in terms of our community. So what does this mean for your individual life? There's things that it means for, for you personally, um, deep, significant things I, I think you'll see. Um, but also for us as a community of faith, Gainesville Vineyard for, for us collectively. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 3 here. And every time you hear the word you in this passage, it's a plural you in the Greek. Paul's talking about the Corinthian community. Now, I think the things he declares here are true on a personal, individual level and true of our lives or, or hopefully true of our lives. Um, but his point and the point I want us to not miss, especially in this series, as we're beginning to think through what the Lord's calling us to moving forward, which I think is what the Lord has always been calling us to, at least since we moved to the bridge and, and probably since you brought Amy and I down here, but especially now coming out of COVID, I think I see... Uh, uh, deeper or renewed reasons why the Lord is moving us in the direction we're going to go. Um, this has meaning for us collectively as a church. So try to listen with with both of those ears, with the personal ear and with the ear of yourself as a, as a if if you are a member of our community. If not, we'd love to have you. We don't do membership. There's no secret handshake. But if you want to come along with us, we're happy to have you. Um, until the Lord calls you to move on, and that's cool too. So um, I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians 3, and it's going to feel like for these next few weeks I'm kind of randomly going about passages of Scripture. It's not random, and at the very end I will reveal um, it's not randomness, but I'm going to keep it to myself for now and just read this to you. So I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 3. This is out of the NIV. I'm going to put this on the screen. Check this out. Paul says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces mirror the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay, so that's a lot. There's a lot going on in that passage. And let me unpack just a couple of things. There's way more than we can cover in one sermon. Um, and we may come back to this before the series is over. I'm not sure yet. Um, but first of all, I want you to note uh, the, the rhetoric that Paul is using in this first part. He starts by talking about letters of recommendation. If you go back and read chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, at the very end he's talking about other people who peddle, peddlers of the word of God, he calls them. Um, Paul, as you know if you've read much of, of Paul's letters, he's in this ever ongoing battle with these other people who are questioning his authority. They're questioning the gospel that he's preaching. They want these Gentile converts, like in Corinth, to follow all the all of the law of Torah. They want them to follow the the, the dietary restrictions and all of the moral code and all of the... All, they basically want them to convert to Judaism, is what they want them to do. Uh, at least be circumcised and, and not eat meat, sacrificed to idols and whatnot. And Paul's like, no, none of that. Absolutely none of that. You don't have to do any of that. And so they come and it... it Apparently, they were coming with letters of recommendation from someone, maybe from James, hopefully not from Peter, but maybe from Peter. Um, and they were also seeking letters of recommendation from the Corinthians to go to other places. Um, and they were also saying, apparently, that Paul was not reputable because he didn't have these letters of recommendation uh, from the apostles, although they did send him out with one in Acts 15, kind of, sort of. Um, so there's all of that going on. And Paul, again, is just like, I'm not having any of that. I don't need a letter of recommendation, Paul says. And he goes on to say, you, plural, you church at Corinth, you are my letter of recommendation. And you're written where? On our hearts. Okay, so, so track the rhetoric here, though, because he goes from letter of recommendation, which is, you know, like you're used to asking your your boss or your professor or your advisor for a letter of recommendation that sort of thing he starts there like i don't need a letter of recommendation you're my letter of recommendation and then he goes to you are a letter written by christ now that's a significant jump uh in his analogy from recommendation letter to letter written by jesus i mean think about the the letters to the seven churches in revelation right that's the closest we get to letters from jesus as you know jesus wrote nothing right? He was not a scholar. He was not a, a theologian. He was not a, an author. He didn't write anything down. Uh, but Paul is saying, you are a letter that Jesus is writing. And that takes the rhetoric up significantly. Uh, and then he takes it up an even higher notch and compares them favorably, these this letter that they are written on the tablets of our hearts versus letters written on tablets of stone, 
And of course, he talks about Moses explicitly later in the chapter. So we know that he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about Torah. He's talking about Scripture. He goes from a letter of recommendation to a letter written by Jesus to full on, no, no, Scripture. You are Scripture written on our hearts. That's about as high as it can get in this analogy. Um, and I just want us to sit with that for a minute um, and, and, and get us to, to reflect on what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that our lives are a letter. Our lives are meant to be a letter written by Jesus on people's hearts. Have you thought about that? I mean, Dorothy Day called this chapter haunting, and I agree. This is a haunting chapter because to think of my life as a letter that's being written on other people's hearts, I guess at least my children's hearts and Amy's heart and, and your hearts to some extent, but everyone around us, our lives are, are, are a letter being written on their hearts. And hopefully it's a letter being written by Jesus and not by ourselves or some other influence. And then again, like I mentioned at the beginning, I want us to think about this as a church. Gainesville Vineyard is a letter that's being written on the on our hearts and on the hearts of people in Gainesville uh, and in the surrounding area. Are are we is is Gainesville Vineyard a letter that Jesus is writing? And what does it mean for us to be that? And it means a couple of things. And, and he he goes through this comparison. Uh, between the, the letter of 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 stone or uh, or letter of ink written on on paper or on stone tablets versus uh, what the letters that are written on on hearts, and the first thing I want to say about this is it's easy in this passage to think that Paul is juxtaposing Judaism with Christianity, right? He's he's saying Judaism bad, Christianity good, and once you have the Christian scriptures, you're good to go. But I don't think that's what he's doing um, for a couple of reasons. One, he's talking to Gentile Christians. And two, he's quoting from Ezekiel and Jeremiah, because it's in Jeremiah 31 and in Ezekiel 11 and in 36 that we first hear about God writing the law, God writing a letter on our hearts, on the tablets of our hearts. So Paul is drawing from uh, Hebrew scripture and even making this argument. And so this, this idea of our hearts being dulled or a veil being over our eyes or our hearts when we read scripture, that's not a Jewish problem only. That's very much a Christian problem. So it's only when the Spirit enables us to read the scripture that it becomes scripture for us and becomes life-giving and not death-dealing. If we're not reading scripture with the eyes and the mind and the heart of the Holy Spirit, then it's not good for us or anyone else. In fact, it's usually the opposite, and I'll give you an example of that here in a minute. But let's look at this comparison he makes between the letter that kills and the letter that brings life. And, and, and again, don't make the Old Testament-New Testament distinction. Make the, I'm reading the letter of whatever is written, New or Old Testament, versus I'm reading the spirit of it. I'm reading it on my own in the flesh. The Holy Spirit is helping me understand what it is. Here are some things that you can tell that makes the difference. This one kills. Reading it in the flesh, reading it without the Spirit, 
it, it kills. It brings condemnation. It has a glory that fades quickly and can't be shared. Like Moses' glory. It's like by the time he comes down from the mountain, it's already starting to fade. And no one else gets any of it. By contrast, the, 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 the letter of the Spirit, the letter that Jesus is writing uh, with our lives on the hearts of those around us, uh, it brings life. It brings freedom. It brings affirmation. Uh, the, the word righteousness in there, that's, that's, a, that's a very religious word that we wrestle with a lot. But the, the best way to understand it in this context is that Paul is setting it up as the opposite of condemnation. So you've got condemnation and the opposite of condemnation. Well, what's the opposite of condemnation? Righteousness doesn't strike us as the opposite of condemnation. Um, affirmation, approval, uh, divine approval is one way to, to translate diakosune, which is the Greek word here. This is the opposite. The letter that kills, it, it's condemning. You read it and you're like, I'm horrible. This is terrible. I'm doomed. I'm condemned, you're condemned, whoever's condemned. You read it here, like, oh no, I'm accepted. Right? I, The Lord loves me. I, he affirms me. Jesus has brought me in as his brother or as his sister, as a child of God. That's what happens when we read it here. And the glory that this has is the surpassing glory. And it's surpassing because it doesn't fade and because it can be transmitted, it can be transferred. And as we've learned with COVID, it's transferred face to face. It's not transferred page to eyeballs. It's transferred face to face. And so the letter that Jesus is writing with our lives and with our community brings a glory to our lives that is transferred to the lives of those who receive that letter that is our lives. It's a glory that can be passed around to enliven and enbrighten and illuminate all the lives around us. It's an energy that doesn't fade. It is a renewable energy source for us is that the kingdom keeps growing as the glory gets shared around. So our minds and our hearts are to be are, are to be scripture. Right? You've heard the old the old adage, you know, your life is the only Bible some people will ever read. And we, we hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what Paul is saying. And, you know, folks debate uh, whether Paul knew he was writing scripture or not. And, and I go back and forth. But this, and, you know, Second Peter says it was scripture, but that's written well after the fact. But, but here in Second Corinthians, I think Paul's giving us a little wink that, yeah, 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 some of us are writing letters from Christ to you. But even more important than that, even more important than Torah, even more important than the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from the mountain, is the letter that your lives, the letter that your community is writing on the hearts of the people around you. And I want us to understand that because if we don't understand that in our individual lives and in our corporate lives, then we're not going to be the community that Jesus would have us to be. We're not going to be the people who Jesus would have us to be. We're not going to be people or a community who are really following Jesus and are animated by the life and the teachings and the ethic of Jesus as we should be. And then our use of scripture will be harmful and not helpful. I want to read this passage to you from Dorothy Day. Um, I like this book quite a bit. Let me read this passage to you. Um, 
Dorothy Day says this, The worst sin is pride, and you can have a religious pride that is sinful. I didn't see that for a long time, the way religion can be used to hurt people. I knew history, all the hate in the name of religion, Catholics and Protestants fighting, and Christians and Jews, and Christians and Muslims, and Jews and Muslims. But in my everyday life, even before I became a Catholic, I had assumed that people who take the time to read the Bible and to pray were going to behave better toward other people, because they would be influenced by all the wonderful poetry in that book. But I was naive, maybe blind. I think the first clue I had about the Bible as a weapon was given me one day in Chicago when I heard a man preaching it, and he seemed without love, completely without love. He was shouting away, cursing away, denouncing all of us heathens, and I felt sorry for him. I listened to him. I kept standing there. I think I wanted to see a smile cross his face. I was hoping he would laugh, maybe. If I had been praying then, as I do now, I would have prayed for him to relax and try to be friendly to people. Maybe I was praying for him then, in my own way. Does God have a set way of prayer, a way that he expects each of us to follow? I doubt it. I believe some people, lots of people, pray through the witness of their lives, through the work they do, the friendships they have, the love they offer people and receive from people. Since when are words the only acceptable form of prayer? I'm not finishing my thought. I was trying to say that a person can be self-righteous about his own righteousness. A person can use the Bible to bring more fear and hate in the world. Yeah, that's exactly what we can't do. But we can only avoid that way that Paul is warning against here. Not by converting from Judaism to Christianity but by converting from people who are not following Jesus and not of the Spirit to people who are following Jesus and are born of the Spirit. And that's a different distinction. And I want us to press more and more into being people who follow Jesus, people who don't add more hate and, and discord into the world, but people who add life and affirmation and freedom into the world, people who pass the surpassing glory of the love of God face to face, one to another. I want every person that interacts with us in our daily lives, and especially everyone who sets foot on our campus at the bridge, to experience firsthand the unequivocal love of God. Like, wow, those people, I feel like they love me. Check. They make me feel like maybe God loves me. Check. That would be the most beautiful thing. So as Paul warns us here, our minds and hearts are dull to Scripture until we turn to Jesus, until the Spirit teaches us to read Scripture, until the Spirit teaches us to do Scripture, until the Spirit teaches us to be Scripture, to be life and freedom an affirmation to be a letter that Jesus is writing with our lives and our community on the hearts of every person we touch. Last thing I want to point out here is that there's a word here at the end of the chapter mirror. Uh, your translation may have something different because this is the only time this word appears in the New Testament, but that's really the best translation. 
our lives are to be a mirror of the glory of Jesus, to reflect it to everyone around us. I know that's a tall order, but that's what Paul says the church in Corinth was. And let me tell you, those folks were a mess. They were a beautiful mess, but they were a mess. Um, and if they can be the mirror of Jesus's glory, then I think we can too. If they can be a letter Jesus was writing to the city of Corinth, I think we can be a letter that Jesus is writing to the city of Gainesville. So last thing I want to say this morning is I want to read this passage to you again, but this time out of the message, because I think Eugene Peterson really captures the heart of Paul's argument in, in a different way. And, and I think it would be uh, helpful for you to hear it as you, as you chew on and reflect on this most haunting passage of scripture this week. Check this out. Does it sound like we're patting ourselves on the back, insisting on our credentials, asserting our authority? Well, we're not. Neither do we need letters of endorsement, either to you or from you. You yourselves are all the endorsement we need. Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we publish it. We couldn't be more sure of ourselves in this, that you, written by Christ himself for God, are our letter of recommendation. We wouldn't think of writing this kind of letter about ourselves. Only God can write such a letter. His letter authorizes us to help carry out this new plan of action. The plan wasn't written out with ink on paper, with pages and pages of legal footnotes, killing your spirit. It's written with spirit on spirit, his life on our lives. The government of death, its constitution chiseled on stone tablets, had a dazzling inaugural. Moses' face as he delivered the tablets was so bright that day, even though it would fade soon enough, that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. How much more dazzling, then, the government of living spirit? If the government of condemnation was impressive, how about this government of affirmation? Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity. With that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. And they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then, and they don't notice it now. Don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today, when the proclamations of that old, bankrupt government are read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil, so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful 
as God enters our lives and we become like him. That's my hope for us, both in our individual lives. That's my hope for my life, my goodness. And that's my hope for us, for Gainesville Vineyard as a church, as we move hopefully out of this pandemic season in the very near future and begin to press into being a house of prayer for all nations and being a letter that Jesus is writing to the city of Gainesville and to north central Florida around us. So that's my message for today. If you've got your elements, let's take communion together. You can hold up your piece of food. And as we lift this together across time and space, this becomes the body of Jesus because we are the body of Jesus. We are constituted by his glory, by his great love for us. And as we lift this up, I want us to say the bit from last week's sermon about us being a house of prayer for all nations. It's by the body of Jesus is the one that creates the space. It's by his body, it's by his sacrifice that we can participate in creating a space for a life of prayer. And it's not just words like Dorothy Day was saying. It's more than just words. It's how we live our lives. So lift up the body of Jesus with me together. And say this, this is the body of Jesus. Here's to being a house of prayer for all nations. Take this together, y'all. And lift up your cup. And as we raise our glasses together, this becomes the blood of Jesus. And just like it's Jesus' body that creates the space for our lives and our community to be a house of prayer, it's Jesus who's writing the letter. Don't miss that part. Jesus is the author. I'm not writing the letter. You're not writing the letter. The letter's not written in any book. Jesus is writing the letter with our lives, with our community, by the power of his blood. And that's the letter that the folks around us read and come to understand the great glorious love that Jesus has for them and for us and for everyone. So raise your glass together and say, this is the blood of Jesus. Here's to being a letter that Jesus is writing. Drink together. I hope you'll spend some time today and this week, uh, reading over again 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and whatever translation you've got and pouring over it closely, there's a whole lot there. And thinking through what it means to be a letter that Jesus is writing with our lives and with our community. And I don't know yet if we'll be still online only or if we'll be back in person next week. They say the numbers are going to go down rapidly, but I haven't really seen that yet. So we'll play it by ear and see. Um, until then, all church stuff is is canceled. We canceled ladies' night last week. Uh, we're still doing the grocery giveaways. The next one's not for two weeks. But uh, we'll, we're just going to hunker down for a little bit longer uh, again and, and let Omicron pass us by. And hopefully you won't get it. And hopefully if you have gotten it, you won't suffer with it too much and you'll get over it very quickly. So I love you all. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for us. And I'm really excited about where the Lord is taking us as a community. Bye for now.
Thank you for listening to the Gainesville Vineyard Podcast. For more information about our church and community center, including our food pantry, life skills training, legal aid, after-school and sports programs, and international missions, and how to contact us, visit GainesvilleVineyard.org or find us on Facebook. Our page name is GN Vineyard. We also have original worship songs available on iTunes. Just search for Gainesville Vineyard. You can support the work we're doing by texting the word GIVE to 352-562-7771. All donations are tax deductible. We appreciate you listening to this message and pray the Spirit speaks directly to you through something you've heard today. God bless.